My name is Josh. Just Josh. No last name. Or at least no last name I can tell you. I am a podcaster. I guess that makes me one of the most hunted, endangered species on Earth. I'm just kidding. There's way too many of us. This is Josh Gunderson, and you're listening to the Millennial Agenda Animorphs Edition. Welcome, everyone, to the Millennial Agenda Animorphs Edition, a weekly discussion of K.A. Applegate's sci-fi action series, Animorphs. I am your host, Josh Gunderson, and I am joined by my Animorphs Edition co-host, Kevin Morey. This week, we are discussing Megamorphs 1, The Andalite's Gift. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the bottle of wine that I went out and purchased about 10 minutes ago because I knew how this was going to go. If you are new to the Animorphs series, you'll notice that the Megamorphs does things a little bit different than the regular books in the series. Rather than a singular narrator for the entirety of the book, each chapter switches point of view between our characters, giving us a unique perspective on the events taking place in the book. We also get some of Axe's POV for the first time in the series. Since this book changes things up, we thought we would do the same. First off, rather than try to recap the entire book in a quick synopsis, we're just going to attempt to discuss things in order in lieu of a recap. Now, I'm saying attempt because in addition to this departure from our norm, we're also welcoming a very special guest who I know is going to throw us off the rails immediately. And that is Miss Meg Stone. Welcome to the Animorphs edition. How dare you? I just basing this off of everything I know about you ever. Fair point. But to be fair, we didn't have a choice in a co-host because this is the Megamorphs book. Yes. I, I'm we gonna remind, no other choice. I'm going to remind both of you right now that I have the power to mute you. <laughs> <laughs> I, so this is, this is particularly fun because unlike myself and Kevin, Meg has never read these books before. So you've been following along this journey for the first time as we've started this. And so I'm very excited to get your your perspective because i know i've i've been treated to the late night (laughs) messages via the facebook (laughs) in regards to the things that we've discussed so far so it's really fun to include kevin in on this conversation and (laughs) i'm gonna let both of you in on a random fun fact that neither of you are going to remember most because i know kevin doesn't remember this you two have actually met before before we knew who any of us were (laughs) What? So we met Kevin for the first time, and this is before he and I became friends, when you and Nina were down here ages ago, and we went to Universal Studios. Kevin was working in the Wizarding World at the candy shop, and we met we met Kevin there, but did not know at the time <laughs> that, that that moment in history was going to bring us to this moment in time and i don't remember this happening but i know that it did happen because (laughs) the specific thing that happened where we interacted was that uh so in that store there is a windowsill and it is at a really ideal sitting height but the reality of it is that if you sit on it it will break because it's just a flimsy little piece of trim so half of my day whenever i'd be working there was please don't sit there please don't sit there and apparently at some point i told josh please don't sit there. And he was his snarky self and said something back to me about how he wanted to sit there. And I said, 
well, you can keep sitting there, but it's going to break out from under you. And he took that to mean, because you're a fat ass. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, so I 100% believe that happened because that was like my one small joy I had in that store was making people stop, sit down. (laughs) So. (laughs) So, yeah. You're welcome, world. Um, I'd also like to point out that this is actually the first time in the history of this podcast, despite what the description of the podcast is, that I am sitting here drinking wine because I, I knew I was going to need it. I'm proud so of you. What does that say about us as friends? I know. <laughs> I Well, I will say it's, it's I, I sent Meg a picture of it. It's, uh, it's called it's really Beauty great. and Chaos, and I felt that that was wildly appropriate. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. So, and it's. It's actually not bad. I'm glad I bought two of them. One of them for the recording, and then the other one for the editing. <laughs> well, so you can stay in the mood. So that's smart. That's smart. Um, so we'll we'll get right into it. So this, uh, like I said, this book is a little bit different because we are switching uh, POVs. But it it starts off with the the animorphs coming off of their first kind of big victory that we talked about last week in book seven, where they destroyed the Kendrona. And they're like, hey, we're going to be normal teenagers for a hot minute. And Rachel's like, I signed up for this gymnastics camp before I knew the world was ending. Should I go? And they're like, yeah, you should go. And she's like, OK, I'm going to do it. And then she fucking pulls around Robin on everybody and is like, I'm definitely going to the camp. But in reality, she's like, I'm going to turn into an eagle and hang out with my hawk boyfriend for a while for the weekend, I guess. And that doesn't that doesn't go well for her because she uh, gets attacked by a bunch of tiny birds that think that she's like stepping on their turf mm-hmm. and she crashes into a tree. And because it's a Hollywood trope that when you bang your head hard enough, you get amnesia that that happens. And then on top of that, the other animorphs minus Marco are invited to a pool party and Marco's like, oh, it's definitely because this girl, Darlene, has a crush on me. And it's primarily because Marco is not a good pool party guest because we learned that the last time he got invited to a pool party, he decided to dump a bunch of candy bars into the pool. I took it as one candy bar. It just was like a king size. <laughs> had some heft. I Well, as a yeah. fat kid, I'm insulted that he would waste candy like that. <laughs> picturing a snickers which like is one of my favorite candies so it hurts a little more i think it specifically said they were baby roots i believe that was in there okay that's fine then i well i mean that i mean that's a bit of a i'm i'm i'm, str- I'm struggling to remember the movie but that that feels like a callback to uh a movie where that happens and I can't think of it at all. So we're going to pretend like I didn't start that sentence and continue <laughs> on. And so Marco concocts this plan. Kevin, I can hear you typing. It was Caddyshack. <laughs> awesome. Um, Mark- Marco decides to be the ultimate creeper and he somehow ropes acts into... Bo- well, he blackmails... Axe into participating in this because Axe, as it turns out, has fleas from living in the woods. And he apparently comes from a planet where 
there's like two and a half species and that's it. So they don't have little parasitic blood sucking creatures, which I'm kind of jealous of at this point because I've spent the past two weekends getting eaten alive by mosquitoes, but that's a whole different conversation. And Marco's like, I will give you the magic powder to help get rid of these awful pests. And Tobias is like, are you talking about flea powder? Like, He's going to flea dip axe. <laughs> Come here. And, it's, and Tobias, I guess, is participating because the poor boy has nothing else to do at this time. So he catches a mouse for them. <laughs> and they morph into a mouse and head over to the party where Marco decides to be a creep and spy on Darlene. And then does just the ultimate creep move where he thought speaks his own name into her head to Ew. help sway the conversation. Like Marco and his 13-year-old hormones need to take a chill pill right now. And then, of course, they get spotted and screaming begins. And there's a really interesting moment for, for Jake. And it kind of shows just, you know, especially Jake's kind of gone through a lot at this point. Uh, sort of the the level of PTSD flight or flight fight or flight that he has developed because he hears the screaming and he's immediately like looking for the closest exit like what's happening what's going on do who do I need to kill and then naturally it's just oh we see some mice acting weird and both he and Cassie are both at the same time almost just like fucking Marco <laughs> <laughs> and so Jake is then very just loudly like, hey, if there's any mice around, they should follow my voice and come this direction, you fucking psychopath. <laughs> and he gets them inside where Axe and Marco start to demorph. And this is where shit gets a bit cray cray because all of a sudden this giant cloud of mouths comes flying towards Darlene's house and tears it apart. It's like you do, like you do. Mm -hmm. Just a just a casual Saturday afternoon like, in Yorktown. The cover up that these Yorks are like able to kind of control—it's amazing. I well, they're pretty. Though we do, it's a little bit later when Cassie is at the the mall spying on Mister Chapman. We do learn that a a very small percentage of the police force has been taken over. I think it's somewhere like 10%, something like that. And I think the other person in that conversation was like a news reporter. And so they've they've gotten quite adept because at this point they've had to cover up a bit. Like they just got through covering up the Kendrona being shoved out of an office building as well as a Horkvajir landing on the ground and splattering right. everywhere. Uh, so they, they're getting pretty decent at it and it seems like they've they've kind of infiltrated a good enough level of the media and local government to be able to mm -hmm. account for this but they also during that conversation they mentioned that it's been a struggle to do right that, so yeah and that's because viscer three is wildly Crazy. inept and yes. and and in that same conversation they even discuss we kind of flash back a little bit to book five we're like we definitely know that viscer one let the Andalite bandits go, but like at the same time, mm -hmm. fuck Visser three. Like I'm glad that just the everyone's boss is shitty translates across time and literature <laughs> in this. <laughs> because if we even look at the Animorphs, Jake is kind of a shitty boss. So he just doesn't think things through. 
at all. E- ever. Well, I mean, neither does Rachel, but... Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like <laughs> none of them do. I actually um, liked when Rachel um, lost her memory. I felt like it was... <laughs> She slowed down and stopped being so aggressively crazy. Did she though? <laughs> a little Did bit. She, no, a little, little bit. bit. A little bit. For a minute there, she thought she was like a half chicken person. So <laughs> that was kind of fun. <laughs> oh, by the way, the woman she met in the woods, I'm calling that. That's the woman they rescued. I'm calling you right stole now. My, you stole my big reveal for this episode. No. <laughs> but I'm here to make both of you really sad because no. that's not her. It cannot be her because that woman specifically goes on and on about how the Yerk in her head starved and died. Whereas the woman they saved who rode away on Cassie's back, she got out of there without a Yerk in her head. How did So unless she was recaptured and reinfested and then got away... It ain't her. Can we call it like <laughs> re-yurt? Because that entire thing, I just wanted to say like, unless she got re-yurt. <laughs> it's a verb now. I, we love a good re-yurking. Um, <laughs> don't like that. <laughs> nope, that's going on my Tinder profile. <laughs> you looking for a good time? I'll re-yurk you. <laughs> Let me know how that works out for you. I'm a little scared for you, Josh. I my my dating life can't get any worse. So, <laughs> oh God. So I see now. See, you've already we jumped ahead, and now I'm lost. Um, no, we're we were at the pool party, and yeah. the giant monster thing was eating Darlene's house. Yeah, fucking Darlene. So <laughs> they kind of uh, regroup. And they discover that Rachel never made it to gymnastics camp. And they discover this because of video footage. Because after she demorphed, the crazy smoke monster got distracted and went after her. And she decided to run out in the middle of a busy highway where the big scary dust monster very specifically attacks a ben and jerry's truck so <laughs> i like that they name dropped at that moment they're like it's just ben and jerry's mm-hmm. are you going after that as a there sponsorship as well so it's like please yes, ben, and ben and jerry's Hello. So, so so far our sponsors are ben and jerry's cinnabon <laughs> and this bottle of wine <laughs> that is a legit group i will I will take any and all of Ben and Jerry's. My favorite flavor is the Tonight Dough. Please hit me up. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, mine is Americone Dream. Mm. See, I like that one, but only when I get it at the scoop shop because then the actual little waffle pieces are still crunchy. But when you get it from the store, they're like soggy, and I'm not about that life. I gotta have that crisp. <laughs> I I will like um, brownie batter. Oh yeah, I will. I will Solid make it. I'll make a point to tweet out to Ben and Jerry's and see what I can get. <laughs> see, most podcasters are like, oh, we're really hoping to get sponsors to pay us to do stuff. And then we're just sitting here like, feed us. <laughs> just, I Oh, here's what I would really love is to be able to like work out a deal with Cinnabon and record an Animorphs Edition episode in the City Walk Cinnabon. I think that would be hilarious. That'd be really fun. I'd have to get down there. (laughs) 
Because I would be there. I just yeah. decided this for you. You're welcome. I yeah, we'll we'll arrange it for like the finale. <laughs> so like any any guest that comes on the Animorphs edition will just all get together in a Cinnabon and record the final episode. <laughs> the Animorphs <laughs> Can we I, all talk like Axe the whole time? And just say no. things like cinnamon bunza sa bunza. <laughs> I only if I can get this company to send me a case of wine to go along with it. Because I'm gonna be... <laughs> so uh, during during the uh, the the smoke monsters attack on the Ben and Jerry's truck, uh, somebody it being the mid '90s uh, just happens to have a a VHS based video camera in their car because that's just the thing we all carried around and records it and even though uh, it's very shaky the Animorphs are watching the news and they're like oh holy crap that's that's definitely Rachel that crazy blonde in the leotard out in the middle of the (laughs) the woods for no reason is obviously Rachel so they know that they've been round robin and I think what's what's super fun i'm gonna bounce myself back about the switching povs is tobias actually watches her get attacked as an eagle mm-hmm. and thinks nothing of it because he doesn't recognize that she is i don't mean i don't know how many bald yeah. eagles are flying around in these woods but he doesn't he doesn't recognize his bff but later axe magically knows that when she's a grizzly bear he's like oh that's definitely rachel which i mean i i don't think there's many grizzly bears running around either so that mm-hmm. that tracks well i just took it as like rachel not kind of planning to actually meet up with tobias she was just like i'm just gonna become an eagle i'll find him we'll figure it out it'll be fine i know it definitely wasn't planned but like she most certainly was definitely get planning on spending the weekend with her hawk boyfriend like does she have a no does she I, have a female hawk morph like are they gonna get like are they gonna uh, no 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 because no, i'm actually in no she specifically said go ahead meg you got it oh no like i i i looked it up in the book because i'm like she's not spending it with him she's like i'm checking in with him before i mm-hmm. leave she she got to the school an hour early so she was like well what am i gonna do for an hour oh Go hang out with my hawk boyfriend. I mean that tracks for Rachel, so I'll I'll allow it. You'll allow you'll allow science. science. Yeah, I'll allow science to happen. So Rachel, um, <laughs> uh, they decide that they need to go in the forest to look for her, and so Jake and Marco are like we're gonna turn into wolves so we can sniff her out. Which is actually Jake has a good plan, and I'm so proud of him for this. <laughs> I feel like you're like giving a dog a treat. You're like. <laughs> I mean, they finally, they finally have started having good ideas since, since Zach showed up. I'm, I very much applaud that they've gotten a little bit of brain, but as they morph into wolves, uh, good old Dusty shows back up and. (laughs) Is that what we're calling him now? (laughs) For now, until we give him an actual name. Uh, Dusty shows up and they kind of, they, I think it kind of starts to dawn on them that it's, it's drawn by their morphing energy and they're trying to outrun it and they're like we are fucking exhausted and then it suddenly flies away and then we learn why because as rachel's traipsing through the woods she she runs into a good old crazy pants who crazy i was so ready to be like it's canon this is the lady they rescued but then kevin decided to destroy that for me crushed 
the dreams are. It's not completely impossible. It's just highly unlikely. I'm gonna say she got re-yerked. I'm gonna say it's her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an. Uh, but if she did, she would have seen them after they rescued her. Also, right? Would would she and Rachel not recognize each other? Like, I feel like. Well, she never saw them in human war. Like, and Rachel has amnesia. What? Uh, right. Do, like, what are the, um, for people who are able to be rescued from the Yerk, are there any, like, long-term effects to memory, sense, anything like that? Because it feels like... Just, like, good old classic PTSD, but it doesn't actually affect their brains usually. I think this this person specifically, whether it is our horseback riding mystery woman or not, um, she clearly... She clearly escaped from the Yerks because her Yerk starved to death. And I think that had a, a lasting effect on her brain. Um, maybe the Yerk didn't actually slither out of there. Maybe it no, just kind of like, died in there. Still in you know? there. All like, every every time that we see a Yerk starve, we see them leave the host, though. That happens every time that we see it happening in the series. Um, so it's probably not like a dead Yerk in her brain, but maybe something just like short-circuited somewhere in there while the Yerk was dying and left her like this. Because I I, I want to believe, if it's not my my mystery woman who's driving me insane, I want to believe that this may have been a, an effect of then the strain the Kondrona, but it also sounds like from t- when Tobias talking about her, that, because he knows that there's this crazy old lady living in the woods, she's been out there for a hot minute. Like, it hasn't been that long since mm-hmm. they destroyed the Kendrona. So mm-hmm. maybe she just... And she's been hoarding some clothes, too. I like mean, like, do. which is... I, I, I'm going to make convenient. it... Convenient. <laughs> I'm going to make it canon right now that she's just been going around collecting the, like, discarded clothes that the Animorphs leave everywhere whenever they <laughs> randomly morph. I, oh, this is for me. <laughs> Sheesh. She's just the happiest of all the crazy ladies. Because I, I don't think I mean, she's happy. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if she was suffering from some sort of mental illness prior to being yerked, because she's clearly not okay. And I would I would want to believe that maybe it's an effect of a yerk dying in her head, but Jake seems to have gotten out of it kind of okay. So like maybe the Yerks infested her and the Yerk was like, oh, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? And the brain was so insane for him to try to control that it, like they, he couldn't get, the Yerk couldn't get control and it just, they ran off into the woods. And the but Yerk if that was the case, that would have been happening at the Yerk pool when she's getting infested. It wouldn't make sense. They would just like get rid of her at that point. That's, so I, I mean, we're probably, we're probably. Reading I feel strongly that, this. I, yeah, we're reading a lot into it, but I feel strongly that she's, she is experiencing her current state because of the Yerk starving to death in her brain somehow. Well, I think possibly some other factors involved. Yeah, I think that combined with it, her talking about like she gave up her family and all of this other yeah. stuff mm-hmm. that would establish that kind of like PTSD. Plus, you've got this thing dying mm-hmm. in your brain. Because this response that she's having isn't too far off of actual PTSD in real life. Yeah. So she could just be having a really bad time. Yeah. That's true. Um, and then Rachel takes full advantage of this and 
because she the lady for some reason thinks that she's running a small boutique and <laughs> listen rachel... a girl's gotta make a living even when you live in the woods mm-hmm. <laughs> and, well rachel just wants some shoes so <laughs> and then the lady captures her like through some sort of trap door situation and drops her into a pit or i i'm very confused about what this this cabin looks like but she she captures rachel and then decides that the most reasonable thing to do is set the fucking cabin on fire and rachel goes into fight or flight and she's like i'm too i'm too tiny and weak to deal with this what can i do and her Rachel brain takes over without her even knowing it and is like, you need to be a fucking grizzly bear right now. Because that, that has ended so well every single time. <laughs> so badly. It was a- and we we discover that the reason why uh, Dusty ran away from Jake and Marco is because we now have Rachel morphing into a bear. And so she goes all bare and Dusty shows up and she's like, fuck this and swipes at him and he eats her paw off. And then Mm -hmm. she's like, I guess I'll use my other one. And (laughs) she Rachel's very good at losing paws as a bear. (laughs) This was like a it was an intense description where she just kept going. I'm like, you're running out of limbs. (laughs) And then Axe Axe having followed Dusty shows up and he's like, Rachel, and she's like, the fuck? And she's waving her nubs around. <laughs> <You're> a little stumpy. <laughs> and Axe decides to get involved. Uh, but he has this very, like, he has a, like, a moment of clarity. He's like, I'm probably not gonna whip my tail blade at this motherfucker, because it's it. clearly not gonna end well. And so he, he decides to try to morph, and Dusty swipes him up, and Rachel's like, fuck this! <laughs> and goes running off. But and she also literally like, running yeah. on her back feet because yep. she doesn't have front feet anymore. Yep, just true. N- nubs of flying everywhere, and <laughs> but and she she has this moment of clarity where she's like, if I turn back into a person, it's gonna be okay. And it, I I mean, I wonder if we're just meant to ignore this, but we've learned through all of the books now. That if you're injured in a morph in any way, shape, or form, when you come out of it, and even when you go from human to another animal and morph back, that any... Because, like, she, at one point, her feet are all scratched up, and she morphs out of it, and she comes back, and she's like, oh, my feet are fine again. I'm wondering if we're supposed to ignore the nature of her amnesia, because that is not a DNA-based thing. And I feel like it should have gone away upon morphing. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm just going to throw that one out there. Because there are other injuries. Hmm. Well, I'm going to say no, because as we discussed before, we know that morphing technology displaces physical matter. But this is getting a little physiological here. But the thing that stays intact the whole time is the mind. And I don't think her, I think what they're implying is not so much that her brain is damaged, but that her mind doesn't know what's going on. Does that make sense? So you're talking about like her consciousness or like the, if you want to say like the electronic weight brain waves are. Right. So it's not so much a physical injury as much as it is something going on that is not physical. And that's why it carries through demorphing and remorphing and losing limbs and then morphing again and so on and so forth. I'll buy it. 
allow um, science. I, I guess I'll allow that science. <laughs> um, and and so, Axe gets taken away by by Dusty, and he gets taken to Visser Three's blade ship and this is where we learn uh because viscer three rather than being like ah i caught one of you i will just immediately kill you he goes into james bond villain monologuing i'd like to do it's just like i will (laughs) let me tell you my entire plan and one of my favorite lines is when viscer three is essentially like all of my human advisors were telling me that the Andalite bandits were actually human this is what viscer three sounds like by the way um (laughs) And and obviously they were wrong because look at this andalite. I don't I don't know why Vista Three just became Stewie from <laughs> Family Guy. <laughs> because he kind of is. It's true. Yeah. And so he he explains that uh, old Dusty is actually called Velik, which means pet in the Yurk language, and. Uh, I'm just going to stick with Dusty because it's easier to pronounce. And I really enjoyed this moment. It was like, it came from that planet with the circles around it or whatever. Uh, the big one with those extra circles. You're like, that's cute. That's yeah, cute. I, I mean, granted, I wouldn't expect an alien to know the human name for a planet. But like, if this was Visser 1, she probably would be like, ah, oh, that is Saturn because I bothered to learn about the culture that we're invading. But this is cool, too. Well, and how much, uh, it, they say they have interaction with the consciousness, so, like, wouldn't they know what their host knows to some degree? I mean, I don't know how much Andalites know about Earth well, I was names thinking, or like, planets. this or one would have a leg up on that one. Yeah, but, like, this or three, you're invading Earth. Like, open an encyclopedia, please. <laughs> It would be an encyclopedia back then, too. It wouldn't be like, just go on the gooks. I don't think, was Google around back then? No. That's what I'm saying. It was encyclopedia time. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. pick up the complete Encyclopedia Britannica from your local infomercial. It will be from 1960. I don't care which one you ordered. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But apparently on Saturn, these, these energy devouring creatures live and viscer three reveals that he's somehow altered it to detect morphing energy and attack said energy but not kill it because he wants to capture it and bring it back and put it in a box so he does that and i i really (laughs) go ahead well like the training process to that was kind of like mind-boggling to me because i'm like if you just found it in this solar system, I'm guessing you didn't have it when you were invading the Andalite home world. So you're the only one who can morph. So how did you train it? Other than you morphing a lot and potentially is... getting a little beat up. I'm really, I'm, I'm glad that the uh, inner marine mammal trainer just popped it's out of your It's not inner brain. anymore, man. It's not inner. I'm back in animal care. It's back in full force. <laughs> I, I should have had you. I should have had you on for book four when we discussed the the naming of animals in Zeus and oh Aquarius. Oh my god! Where I work now, it's even better because it's all like we can't legit can't say any names to the public. 
there are no names. So like the fox, everyone's like, the little kid walks up and he's like, what's this fox's name? You're like, that is a red fox. That's our male red fox. That's his name. Yep. Oh, you haven't named them after friends characters? Why? Uh... No, no, no. They're all like, um, the, I mean, the names that we call them are all conservationists. So like, I take care of a blue jay named Emerson, which is adorable. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then... <laughs> You're welcome I, for that tangent. <laughs> I, I, you know, I let us down that tangent, so I can only really blame myself. It's true. Um, so, and while, while Axe is... It, it, it's fun seeing Axe's POV, because we're getting into his brain a little bit, and we realize, and we learn that andalites kind of hold this sort of like blood debt vendetta and he's sitting there like staring down viscer three like it's bitch angry. you killed my brother i'm gonna kill you but i'm in a box to like help a brother out let me and... out of the box where i can kill you yeah, yeah. what's in the box what's in the box <laughs> <laughs> you just quoted seven dude i did i did and <laughs> and axe Kind of realizes like, oh, I still have fleas. I'm going to use this to my advantage. And I, so, <laughs> so real quick, here's what bugged me about the whole flea situation. Bugged you because about fleas? Wait, hold, bugged, bugged you? It bugged you? <laughs> I walked into that. I, I walked into that, but I still hate both of you. <laughs> Kevin, uh, I'm high-fiving you from Massachusetts. Yes, there are. Many high fives <laughs> happening. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit here and drink my wine. And... <laughs> it's probably smart. So it it led me to a question of uh, when they're absorbing DNA, because Axe has to go through the motions of catching a flea between his fingers. I don't understand why he like he feels them biting him. Why couldn't he just concentrate like ah flea and absorb its DNA that way? So that was interesting. It's, I, I don't know if there's like an actual like biotechnology reason for it, but whenever they acquire animals, they use their hands always. Yeah. So I don't know if there's any instance where we see them acquiring through touch other than like by their actual hand on the animal. So it might be that he just isn't able to do it that way. Do you, All right. Wait, is it just like for his... Uh, so is that... Sorry, let me try to actually formulate a sentence. <laughs> Is it um, just the human animorphs that are using the hands, or is it also... Everybody. Really? Visor 3, Axe, yeah. Everybody who we ever see acquire something uses their hands. I mean, it would be hard my with a flea. Come into my hand, little mm -hmm. guy. He also, he might just, at that point, he might not know if he has more than one flea on him, so he wants to make sure that he's touching this one. Mm. You know? I'm going to assume that not only does he have fleas, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and guess ticks as well, because, like, you're living in the woods. Like, let's, let's be realistic. <laughs> so basically, but, he needs a flea. And it's also interesting that they're even going for him at all with Andalite blood, which he actually mentions. He's like, I don't know why they even like my Andalite blood, but okay. I Maybe it's barbecue sauce and it it's a unique delicious. vintage <laughs> combo of barbecue sauce and cinnabon icing 
English. Ew? I'm going to go with ew on that. I don't think that's... I mean, I wonder I wonder what Andalite blood is like. Like, this is... These are, we're asking the real it. questions. It's blue. We know that it's blue. Do we? Yeah. Well, human blood is... From Elfangor. Human blood is blue. Okay. Until it hits... Until it oxidizes. But, like, Andalite blood is, like, actually blue. Like, when you're bleeding. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, look at my blood. It is blue. So, I'm gonna imagine that it tastes a lot like a blue ice pop. Interesting. That's fair. What does it taste like? It tastes like blue. It's like blue. That's the only blue thing I could think of off the top of my head, other than blue curacao, which tastes like orange. So, and not like a blueberry. Right. No, not not a blueberry. It just tastes like it blue. Tastes like- it's like it's like grape soda. It does not taste like grapes. It tastes like purple. It does taste. We like all purple. know this. It's delicious purple. Oh dear lord! The sad part is we're only halfway through the book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is the podcast that never ends. I'm I'm just I'm watching I'm watching the timer tick and know that ten minutes equals an hour of my life of editing. <laughs> uh, so Axe turns into a flea, and uh, apparently the cube that he's in like goes back and forth between clear and opaque depending on. Uh, mood, and he it's like makes an aggressive it, lens. Yeah, he makes it see through because he's like, "I want you to watch me kidnap your friends." And at no point was Visser three like, "Ah, oh, we should keep an eye on him in case he turns into something small." Like Visser three, you have been on Earth for a hot minute now. They got tiny shit. Like yeah, but like his hubris would never allow him to um, transform into something s- small or not powerful, other mm-hmm. than maybe like an angry Maine coon cat. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does have a thing for cats, which comes up in this book uh, yet again. Um, when Jake is That's a tiger, right. he literally is it's like. Kind of- He's like, oh, that sexy tiger. There it is again. After mm. the tiger, you're like, oh, slow your roll. That tiger, slow though. Slow your roll. I... It's like, I just want to be that tiger. I want to be one with that. <laughs> oh, my mm-hmm. God. I'm getting a glimpse of what Andalite porn looks like. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> as, and that is our time, apparently. <laughs> that was actually Nina texting me. Oh, hi, Nina. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, where was I? So so that happens. And Jake, Marco, and Cassie are like, where the fuck did everybody go? And they find the burnt down shack and they see Axe's hoof prints everywhere and they just like disappear and like, we don't know what the fuck's going on anymore. We still can't find Rachel. Rachel, who has demorphed and makes her way into town and she finds an empty house that has been sold but no one's living in yet and she hangs out there and eats some creepy cookies that she found that were apparently left over by the paint crew she's like "Mm, cookies i'm gonna take a ptsd nap and she starts to get flashbacks because her memory is slowly coming back and she's woken up when police have surrounded the house and are like bitch we know you're in there and she's like fuck what do i do and in true rachel form she's like i'm an elephant now and (laughs) And breaks through the side of the house. And so Jake, Marco, and Cassie are like, where's Rachel and everybody? What's going on? And they happen to look up to the moon. And like in a moment, like an E.T. moment, 
they just see the dusty float across the moon and they're like well fuck what do we do let's steal a truck oh this and... is the best part <laughs> the and, best part and so they they steal cassie's father's truck and follow dusty and he's he's trying to get rachel but apparently an elephant is just too heavy for him and they decide they're like all right we got to play like Oh, words just left my brain. We're basically going to play, like... Keep away. Hide, keep away with morphing. And so, like, we just need to, like, continuously be morphing. And that's when Jake goes tiger. And, of course, at this point, the, the Velik has left Visser 3's ship. And he's like, we got to watch this. So he sends some, like, uncloaked bug fighters down. Because apparently no one gives a shit about covering anything up at this point. And so the bug fighters are, like webcasting this back to Visser 3 and that's where he sees the tiger because Jake morphs into a tiger which is not meant for like that's a sprinting animal not a marathon animal as he learns very quickly and so they're morphing back and forth and this is where we learn uh, if we didn't know this already that a gorilla can also drive a truck on top of driving construction equipment Kevin go ahead and chime in at any point on your feelings on that well no 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 we learned that a gorilla cannot drive a truck Hold on. The visual. The visual my we learned that a gorilla cannot drive a truck, but that he can hotwire construction equipment that's been sitting for an indeterminate amount of time. <laughs> How does that make sense? It's true. You know, true. I just I just want everyone to be angry along with me. And uh Cassie morphs into a squirrel and jumps onto Rachel's back, and Marco in his gorilla morph proceeds to crash into Rachel which breaks her elephant leg and she hits her head. And because this is the Hollywood trope of amnesia, suddenly her memory is better. So I really, I really enjoy the point where Cassie shows up and she's like, Hey, I'm Cassie, your BFF. It's going to be okay. You should come with me. And amnesia. Rachel's like, yeah, that fucking tracks. Let's do this. Cause she's also (laughs) like not fully morphed. And I really enjoy that this visual of an elephant running around with human sized ears <laughs> that's made very explicit in the text <laughs> that that's what's great. happening. <laughs> and little bits of blonde hair still yeah, showing yeah. too. Yeah. So she's, she's just, uh, she's just, and at this point, Rachel has been seen in many different occasions as a half human, half elephant situation. <laughs> so she's just become like the raging chipper cabra of their town. Like she's, <laughs> Are you picturing like the National Enquirer in this world? Because I am, and it it brings me joy. Like the actual National Enquirer just showing up in this town and having a field day. Yeah, yeah, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that happens, and so while while Marco is morphing because uh, he's trying to go gorilla to save everybody, and Dusty captures him. And brings him up to Visser 3. And this leads to just another like fun Visser 3 comedic moment. Because Marco's just sitting there in like full gorilla mode. And Visser 3's like, turn into a goddamn Andalite, you son of a bitch. And Marco's like, nah, I'm good. As, <laughs> that was the best. As, I'm just <laughs> I'm just chilling here. And like Axe is like bouncing around as a fucking flea. And decides the best course of action is to... <laughs> I'm laughing because Nina just texted me asking what I was doing. Um, I just 
derailed my own train of thought. And so Axe is like, the best course of action is to head over to Visser 3 and jump on his body and start to demorph. And then Dusty is like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I enjoyed this because the whole time, like, Axe is privately, like, DMing Marco and is like, hey, see that control over there? Put your hand on it and think open. Just open. Yeah. And Marco's like, the fuck? And um, this was like, so Axe starts to demorph on Visser 3, and Dusty's like, I need to attack. And Visser 3 is like, ah, water, water. And both Axe and Marco are like, well, that's a weird time to be thirsty, thirsty. but <laughs> do, you do you, dude. Just do <laughs> that's you. cool. And so Axe jumps onto Marco as a flea, and they jump out the hatch and morph, like, they go like full gung ho action movie. Morph back to human slash andalite, and then in, into their like bird of prey morphs like moments before they hit the ground. This part and, like, made me really nervous. Like, just I've been skydiving. You don't have that long. I mean, I know they were just in the atmosphere, but still, like, don't have that long, dude. Yeah, I mean, this is what was fun about the jumping POVs in this book because, like, at the beginning it was very obnoxious because it felt like we were getting the same exact situation over and over and over again from everyone's point of view. But as we got further into the book, we started to like get left in these moments of suspense where we didn't know what was going to happen right. because also we jumped over to somebody else. So I thought that was really fun. And what was also enjoyable about all of this particular part of the book is fucking Tobias was left out of all of it. He slept through. Oh my God. I felt so bad. He's like, I slept through all of this. Well, he's, like, he's like, Oh man, I missed out on everything. Like, well, you shouldn't have gotten yourself stuck as a hawk, bro. Like, sorry. That's the other part that kind of confused me because like hawk, like a lot of these animals don't sleep like humans do. They're not like eight hours, bro. I'll see you in the morning. We'll hawk it up. They don't. <laughs> I imagine that's what the, the red tailed hawk that lives outside your house sounds like uh, it is we talk <laughs> you guys have those conversations yeah, pretty much <laughs> and so they they're good and then we have this like really fun like in like mid book wrap up of everything that happened like it was like the end of like any teen romp movie where they like freeze frame on somebody and they're like oh so and so this happened and they're like oh cassie's parents just assumed that their truck got stolen it wasn't suspicious at all that Jake, Cassie, and Marco were outside around the same time that it would have gone missing, but we definitely don't suspect our, <laughs> our teenagers of stealing a truck. Well, the number which... of times they've broken into, like, all of the parks, I'm like, are you paying attention? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they've so much, so much breaking and entering happening with them, though I, I really enjoyed, there was a moment in, in all of this where Jake and Marco show up at Cassie's house, and Cassie's mom is like, oh, Jake, hi, how are you, sweetie? Marco. <laughs> <laughs> like, you get the feeling that, like, he was that kid in, like, the friend group that, like, always, every practical joke, yep. every, like, terrible, like, this will be really funny. I'm going to, like, put poop somewhere. And you're like, Dude, no. <laughs> so we so they they kind of wrap all that up and like so Axe and Marco are safe. Rachel's getting her memory back. 
Cassie's parents think that some randos stole their truck. Like, everything's fine. But, like, we still have this issue of Dusty, who is going to attack them every time they morph. But we now know that its weakness is water. So they concoct this plan to destroy him. And they're like, we're going to head out to sea as dolphins. And this is where we see that Cassie has kind of abandoned all of her morals that she was struggling with in book four about acquiring, you know, intelligent animals and acquires the humpback whale. And she's like, all right, I'm going to acquire this humpback whale, turn into a cockroach, fly up with Tobias as high as he can. And then we've got the remaining animorphs like morphing and demorphing dolphins to keep Dusty distracted. And she demorphs and morphs into a whale all while falling. And Dusty's like, I got you in a bear hug. (laughs) (laughs) And... But, it, like, he's trying his best. He's like, I'm trying, Daddy Visser. It's happening. And just saying that just creeped me out. I'm sorry, world. <laughs> Go Terrible sit in the corner feelings. and think about that. <laughs> really? That, this coming from the guy who whipped out Megamorphs? That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Josh, it's called comedy. Comedy. I'm, I, I can't help it that I'm just more cultured than you. I'm sorry. Very sophisticated sense of humor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sip my thirteen dollar wine, and, <laughs> and so they end up killing the Velik. I mean, because as we all know, dust is destroyed by water, water. and um, it's dragged into the sea where it's killed. And the animorphs are like, ah, we've actually done like this is two books in a row now. They've done something right. And I'm I think this is also because it was Cassie's plan. Like this was her <laughs> insane plan. I don't know. I really like Cassie because she's like the I just want to hang out with the animals and be friends. I'm like, I get you, girl. I get you. We're friends. I see it. The one part of her plan that <laughs> was weird to me though, Tobias says like eight hundred times, like literally every single time we see this point of view of Tobias, he's like I can't fly very high. I can't keep just flapping my wings. I can't fly very well over the ocean. So why did Cassie think I should be a cockroach on the bird that can't fly here? Why would she not take one of the birds that Tobias keeps talking about, like a goose or a seagull, and morph that and just fly up really high and then demorph instead of doing the cockroach thing? Couldn't she have gotten higher up? She wanted to... um make it more complex and go a little Rachel with it. Cause she had the, like, <laughs> well, like she had the, like I left Marco behind. I didn't morph again to save him. I mm-hmm. let him get taken while she's like, maybe it was her way of making Tobias feel involved since he was yeah. out of this whole story. <laughs> I'm going to stick with, she just wanted to add a little Rachel to her own spite. <laughs> Yeah. And, and she, I mean, she was she was really struggling with that. Like, she was like, "I let Marco be taken." Like, that was a huge, mm-hmm. yeah. Thing. Like, grab the same thing. I I still can't justify. Like, oh, we're out in the middle of the ocean where there's no thermals. Tobias can't fly very well. Good luck, sir. <laughs> um, but I mean, I guess I'll 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 pull out my my inner Kevin and be like, well, you have to remember, they are just young teenagers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can we also talk about? <laughs> 
like her communicating with the whale like to get I, the morph because I my mind I just cringed so much. Thank and, you. I hate it so much. Well, like I also had this problem in the original like the when they start acquiring the dolphin morphs and first interact mm-hmm. with the whale cuz I'm sitting there going like I worked with dolphins. I ran into these people who thought they were mystical and magical. And I'm like, you know, they're fucking jerks. They're jerks. Like, they're, I know they're smart. But, like, you could always tell, like, and you're like, I love them because they are jerks. And I love that about them. But, like, you could always tell the people who would show up for for programs who were these mystical dolphin people and thought they were going to have this beautiful spiritual experience with the dolphin. And I, I started feeling that with her to a small degree with the dolphins, but with a massive degree with the whales, like calling them the great one and like, I'm the little one. And I picture her using the voice of like, Dory from Finding Nemo. (laughs) Where the whales just like, I'm rolling my eyes. You can't tell because they're very large. <laughs> I'm rolling them. Uh, but if you flash back to that particular episode, Kevin has some very interesting introspective thoughts on why that is. So, mm-hmm. listeners, dive on back that way. <laughs> Wait, what did I say? I don't remember. I don't remember. Like, no, you you got very, like, philosophical. I think that's beautiful <laughs> philosophical... That was not a word. That's not a word. In case anyone's wondering. (laughs) There's some beautiful, like, bigger moments, I guess, about, like, the oneness. And, like, yes, there are whales that are, like, as old as dirt out there. And it's... Oh, yeah. I think I talked about them having songs that, like... Yep. Carry on for generations. Which is, like, that's, like, we know about. Or at least I think we do. I don't know. You know more than me about this subject, so... yeah, no, no, you were, I mean, I don't know about, like, ones that are carrying on for generations, but I wouldn't be surprised, because there are inherited characteristics, um, or inherited, um, kind of interactions from, like, elephants, like, where mm-hmm. they'll learn not just migratory paths, but, like, other things from, from mm. generations, which, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I know that, like, males will sing for an inordinately long period of time by themselves and like mood yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's true um yeah i I, that whole communication thing i was like i am the whale in this and i'm rolling my eye So we've we've so that's that's the entirety of the book. Look at that. We're under sixty minutes, so I'm gonna make this longer. Um, So I'm curious now. So Meg, you're you're reading all of this for the first time, Uh and we're now eight books in. Like, and I'm so I'm I'm so thrilled that somebody is following along with this. I don't know who else (laughs) is, but I'm I'm kind of curious as to your overall. Like thoughts. I know you've like you've thrown a lot of your conspiracies at me, and those that like there's been so much that I'm like I could tell you things, but I'm not going to. Um, I'm curious as to just kind of what your your thoughts are so far, as well as any theories you have for what's to come. Because I know we've we've tried to va- stay very spoiler free, and I know there's been a couple times uh, both myself and Kevin have brought up different things that do happen without any great detail. But I'm I'm just kind of curious to see just kind of where you are 
as a first time reader for these books? I'll be really honest. And I'm trying to just um, go along for the ride. Like I'm trying not to guess what's going to happen next. I'll, because every time I've guessed, I've been completely wrong. Like from the beginning. I kind of love that. I've been yep. like so hard wrong. Cause I realized I was reading it from the perspective of an adult and I'm reading a young adult um, book. So like there are some things that they're probably like, there's some paths that they're not going to take. She's just not going to take them. Um, like the first book I was like, oh, Tobias is, he's acting really bizarre towards the Andalite. Like, I just was like, oh, I don't like how this is playing out. And he's acting really bizarre towards the Yurks. Like everyone's just a little, it's just felt really weird. I'm like, is he a secret Yurk? Or something like that. Mm. And he, I mean, he clearly wasn't, but there was something about Uh the way that he was acting that I was like, suspicious and i don't like it um so yeah, that's, i mean that's maybe. definitely something i brought up at at some point i think it might have been the first episode where i was like Elfangor took a very big risk with this group of kids right that none of them were controllers um so i, I, I find it like, interesting that you were there too yeah there was just there's been a bunch of moments like that like i thought like the woman that they rescued that you kept bringing up originally i was like Oh, she's like a plant. They they think they rescued her, quote unquote. And I'm like, no, nah, she's gonna spy on them. It's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but that's when I kind of like after that first book and being so completely wrong about everything, <laughs> I was like, I'm just gonna go along for the ride. I'm just gonna enjoy kind of where they are and like what's happening. And Rachel's absolutely insane plans and how aggressively <laughs> she like chases after them. Where I'm like, girl, drink some chamomile tea. It's gonna be okay. We're gonna get through it. Good. I what I what I love about this journey for all of us is I mean, I've talked about this before. So my my reading on these books ended about halfway through. I've never completed the series. Kevin has completed the series numerous times mm-hmm. and you're fresh to all of it. What I love is that for Meg and I, we're going to catch up at some point in our, <laughs> in in our, our knowledge base. <laughs> and I, I mean, I've made, I've made the mistake of diving into the online world. And I know a couple things that happen. Uh, I don't know how we get there, but I know we get there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to guide you on this journey as far as I'm able to, and then, and then Kevin gets to guide us through the rest of it. <laughs> but it's, I mean, and that's what's so fun. And I hope that everyone listening along that has been here for this whole journey, because um, I know there's some people that are like listening to the regular episodes and then they die, like they get this on their feed and they're like, "What the hell's going on?" I really and hope. There's... Oh, I hope people give this the <laughs> chance because, like, I've really enjoyed these books. They're very quick reads. Like, I finished mm-hmm. all of them. I finished in one night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh know? yeah. Um, and like each of the characters, you can find you can find a character you identified with. Like for me, Cassie was easy. I'm like, I get you. You just want to hang out with animals. I get you. Margo, yeah. tone it down. Jake, <laughs> get it together. Tobias, what is going on? Rachel, here's the tea you need. You need another cup. 
I I feel like at this point in reading them, like if I was to identify myself with a character, I'm very much in terms of personality a Marco. I don't think you make as many bad <laughs> jokes as he does. That well, I didn't I think come you're up not with smart Marco, to be Marco. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're calling me a Jake is what this <laughs> I think I honestly do feel you're a oh, little man. more of a Jake with a side Ooh. of axe because you do like oh. your cinnamon buns. See, I I definitely see myself, I always, always um associated myself with Tobias and a little bit with Axe. Because I was that kid who didn't have friends or who, you know, didn't have close friends, at least at school, and uh was always kind of on the outside. So I really really vibed with tobias as a kid um and then acts too because he's just weird and doesn't understand social constructs and feels very out of place all the time and me that is me it me <laughs> i well i early early on i i identified with tobias because my i came from a broken home like honestly if i could trap myself as an animal i would probably do it but coming do it. coming coming to it now as an adult I I do fully recognize that I and this is brought up in the books because even Axe at one point is like, oh, Marco is cursed with something called a sense of humor or something along <laughs> those lines. Um, I definitely use humor as afflicted. A I think defense. is the word. Afflicted, yes. I I definitely use humor as a defense mechanism, and I see that more and more in myself. That like when I'm confronted with an awkward situation. And that's what's been also really fun about doing these episodes in particular, because I'll bring up something I'm like, I'm trying to be funny right now. And then Kevin's like, well, no, here's my serious thoughts on this. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> this is funny. Again, I, I identify with Axe. <laughs> <laughs> I also so. liked, even though I don't identify with her, I liked that they didn't make Rachel just like your typical cheerleader like you, mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that would have been a really easy choice and they didn't do that they made her like xena warrior princess who yeah let's face and it, lucy lawless you're freaking amazing yeah. <laughs> well and not only like not taking the easy route but they took a really interesting route with her of saying mm -hmm. like she is extremely feminine. She loves shopping and fashion and gymnastics, but she is ready to fucking murder people like at the drop of a hat without thinking about it. She is a crazy warrior. She's unhinged. Like that's a really cool, especially for that time for the you know mid nineties to have somebody who is such a badass but also extremely feminine. That's like a really cool character. She, so she's like an, an early Buffy almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Slightly more unhinged, but yeah. Well, I was thinking like mm -hmm. late, like in the later episodes of Buffy where she goes a little like nutty and you're like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Chill it down. She was like in love with, uh, what's his name? Not Angel, but the other one, uh, Spike. Spike. <laughs> 
You've, you've lost me in the fight. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stop it there. Um, so I thank you all so much for listening. Next week, we will be discussing book eight, The Alien. If you'd like to read along, check out the show notes for a link to download the entire series for free on PDF. The graphic novel of The Invasion, which is the first book in the series, is now available for purchase wherever you get books or through the link in the notes as well. New episodes of The Millennial Agenda are available every Monday with new Animorphs editions every Friday. You can follow The Millennial Agenda on Facebook, Instagram, and now Twitter for more fun content. And please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, happy reading. (laughs) 